Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Ursula Pottinger, and I'm here with Anne Betts, and we are Be Above Leadership, and today's radio show is Don't Wish Your Life Away. I'm really looking um, at <laughs> integration, and particularly um, as it relates to time. Well, Anne... Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. We've been we've just been so excited to talk about this because if you follow us at all, you'll know that integration is our big it's our big word and it's the it, when we think about the seven levels of effectiveness, more and more what we've seen is, you know, it's overly simplified, but that higher levels of effectiveness are really correlated with greater degrees of integration in multiple areas and We've looked at right and left hemisphere, our limbic system, and our higher, our higher brain, our task network, and default network. And a while ago, we started realizing, you know, there's something about our relationship to time that pulls to integration. And this all started out because Ursula had a realization probably when we were on one of our many overseas trips. So do you want to talk about your, your realization? <laughs> well, it's... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the title of our show actually came from that realization, uh, you know, don't wish your life away. So there we are, Anne and I, on an overseas trip. And uh, it, I, I remember that it was one of our longer ones. I think it was 10 or 12 days. And sort of halfway through this trip, I, you know, kept saying to her, oh, man, yeah, I can't wait to get home. And I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm so done with, you know, sleeping in a, you know, in a hotel bed. And I'm, oh, I'm so looking forward to finally getting home. And then all of a sudden, you know, Anne looked at me and, and she said, you know, I think you're wishing your life away. And I thought, <laughs> that is so true. And not only did I realize this during that trip, but I did realize that there are occasions when I am somewhere where I'm really not really present in the moment. I'm hoping that the moment is going away and I can be somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you make me think of there's a cartoon that one of my friends put on Facebook and it said, today I'm going to live in the moment, unless the moment is unpleasant, in which case I shall eat a cookie. <laughs> I love that, oh. and that was also, um, I think this was also part of my realization. It, it continues to be a heads up in regards to this realization that um, I wish my life away when it is unpleasant, when I don't yeah. want it, when I don't want to be somewhere or deal with something or do something. That is when I'm wishing that it was over. And what is funny, when I'm in a delightful, amazing moment, I am wishing it would never go away. It would stay. <laughs> yeah. Yes, stay, stay. And we're going to talk about, oh, gosh, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff today. We're going to talk about how part of why we wish our lives away is that our brain is a prediction machine. And we're going to talk about flexibility and um, the difference between uh, structure and rigidity and chaos and freedom. And I think we're just going to go lots of places. But let's, let's kind of start sort of as we begin to unpack this, the, you know, what do we mean by integrating time? How do you integrate how do you integrate something that quantum physicists say doesn't even exist? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that uh, we, 
Uh, I think for me, you know, time integration, you know, as it was, this big realization really relates to, um, you know, having a having a good relationship to past, to the future, and to the present. And it's fi- yeah. it's finding a way of putting these three really seemingly, you know, opposite spectrums, put them together. And 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 when and by saying this, we also know you know you have a healthy relationship to the past, which you know technically doesn't really exist. It's memory, which is also faulty. The future, which is a prediction, and and prediction largely based on our past, and we're going to come back to that. So we want to have a re- healthy relationship to co- to something that is largely conceptual, which is I think where we get so much of the in you know certainly. New Age thinking, and I don't say that in a disparaging way, but in you know current good thinking, spiritual thinking, be in the present. But there, we believe that there's something around differentiation and linkage. So let me just back up a minute. When we think of integration, we use Dr. Dan Siegel's definition of integration, which is the linkage of differentiated parts. We have to be able to separate things and then link them, and that's really critical. So I think that that really plays into how we think about the past and the future and the present. What is the differentiation and how do we, how do we differentiate past and future and link it to the present? Does, Ursula, does that make sense, what I'm saying? Yeah, it makes com- yeah no, absolutely. It makes, it makes complete sense um, because if if we cannot separate out not only what has happened but also what our perception and what our perspective is what happened in the past it is well it's impossible to then take those little pieces and put them together yeah and there's some interesting information so if you think about you know a healthy relationship to the past to start our thinking about this is that we can understand what has happened and then and maybe you know we love I love this line by Dan Siegel he said you want to help people have a story they can live with and so sometimes Mm -hmm. this might be contextualizing um, reframing uh, um, reimagining the past the past is very fluid what is the story I can live with and be able to be present to our history from what the Buddhists call observer mind, what we know as being in the prefrontal cortex, being curious about it, being able to recognize patterns from the past that may still be occurring in the present, and Mm -hmm. have a relationship with them that doesn't mean we're predicting our future from this dysfunctional past. And uh, you know, as you are talking, and um, it really, uh, from that uh, from that standpoint, I find there is more spaciousness and more choice. If I mm. do not look at the past and create a story, number one, that I can live with, and number two, be curious about it from an observer mind, it always feels to me that there is nothing I can do about it. But yeah, from an I think observer that's mind, beautiful. You know, I can I can look at it and see that there are choices, that there are things that I can change in the in the present, that you're not trapped by yes. your past, 
And yes. um, we're going to talk in a bit about how the brain is more predictive than reactive, which is fascinating. We're going to just bookmark that for the future. So part of who we are, you know, we need to be, we need to have an interesting, a useful relationship with what we're predicting. Um, and I think that one of the things as coaches, and Ursula and I have been coaches for many, many years, 16, 17, 18 years, you know, there's this, whenever we in our classes talk about now we're going we're gonna to look in your, we're going to do a tool that's going to look in your client's past, you know, somebody raises their hand and says, isn't that therapy? It's sort of like this, we've, for, some, for some people, some schools of thought, this idea that the minute you look at the past, you're not coaching anymore because coaching only deals with the present and the future. And yet the past is relentless and intrusive. So if we, can, if we can never look at or talk about the past, I don't see how we really serve our clients because the past is going to play a huge role in who they are in the, in the present and what they can hope for in the future. So I think the way that we think of it is, as in many things in coaching, it's not the what we do, it's the how we do it. So we don't go into the past from a very limbic, painful re-experiencing, which might be very useful in therapy. But we're going to go to the past from a place of observation, looking at patterns, looking at information, being able to see how the past might be intruding in the present. But the question is, can the client do it from this kind of observer mind where they're able to differentiate and say, oh, that was in the past. Maybe it needs to stay in the past. And not intrude mm-hmm. in the present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting, um, you know, as you're talking from, you know, from this uh, this place. It, it's fascinating to me that many of my clients actually want to talk about the past because there is information mm-hmm. there that they know once they can, you know look at that and work with it, it really will make a huge difference in, in not only in the present, but it will definitely inform what, they will, what they're going to do in the future. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's right. And I think the question is, I remember reading once that there was a particular um, Native American tribe, I don't remember which one, that had a rule that you can bring your story to the campfire twice. After that, we're not we're not interested. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think <laughs> I love that. Like, okay, you can come and tell your tale of woe two, two times, and then you know, are you what are you going to do about it? What's going to happen here? How do you integrate it? And I think there's a there's a piece where where as coaches we want to work effectively with stories, but not let the client be lost in the story. So I think this will unfold more as we keep going in looking at this whole complex area of time integration. Um, So let's go to future. So what is it to have a healthy relationship to the future? Ursula, what what do you think? Well, I think uh, this can be equally as challenging, um, although you would think it's a lot more fun to dream and vision and imagine, you know, this amazing future. But I find that not only myself, but also my clients, it can be hugely challenging to look at that and envision it and dream about it and then say, well, but I want it next month or by the end of this year or in three months or right now. And when it doesn't show up or we, we have obstacles or it just doesn't happen as fast as we thought it would, 
that then sends us into a spiral of, you know, despair. Yeah, I think that's really well said. You know, it's this whole idea of I need to have the next certification or I'll be, I'll, you know, I will, when I get my PhD, I'll be happier. When I get married, I'll be happier. When I have a kid, I'll be happy. You know, all of this, you know, in the future, I'll be happier view that we have that can really rob us from, and this is what, you know, all the great spiritual teachers are are saying is, you know, you need to be present because that's where the happiness is. And so I think there's, there's something about um, that aspect of it, not wishing your life away, not saying, well, I'm in, you know, I'm overseas and I'm in this crappy hotel room, Mm -hmm. but I'll be happy when I go home. How do I find a way (laughs) to find the, you know, to find the delight right now. But there's another piece I want to say that 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 I've also found sort of is like I at least let me just speak for me. I want to have a, a a flexible and healthy relationship with the future. So you know, as Ursula knows, one of the things that I've trained myself to do over the years, and it was a struggle, was to actually create a to create some a spreadsheet of my income and expenses. So that I can look six months out and know, oh, this is what's going to happen here, and that's when I pay that credit card off, and this is when Noah's tuition is due, and things like that, so that I can be more grounded in the present. Because when Mm -hmm. I was living just sort of day to day, and oh, do I have enough money in the bank, there was kind of a free-form anxiety that came Mm -hmm. along with not having any plan. Mm-hmm. Yet, you know, this is not a plan written in stone. It's a loose plan because it needs to adjust. Mm-hmm. And I find out, oh, that was a bill I wasn't expecting. Or, you know, I got money I wasn't expecting. Yeehaw. I need to be able to adjust this so there's a lot of flexibility, but it gives me enough. We'll talk a little more about structure and freedom. Um, that I've got a relationship to that I have a future. You know, mm-hmm. you were talking, Ursula, just about if you have no relationship to the future, how do you actually get on the plane to go home? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you know, it, 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 I mean, I think this is a, another example um, that you are pointing uh, to. If I get obsessed with, you know, I have to be there, you know, two hours in advance. And if I'm, you know, five minutes late, it's wrong and you know the gates will close and I get into this you know and I would get into this anxiety I mean that's uh, that is really that is really creates stress but at the same time I also need to be aware that you know it takes me 30 minutes to get to the airport I have a suitcase and I need to get the plane I need to get on it right. so it is it's just like you're yeah. saying it's you know it's a it's a plan and a structure but not in a way that creates more stress Right, no, or is, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. It, 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 here's a, what I'm sort of like uh, pondering as well is there are also in certain areas, at least for me, there are challenges that are almost like in regards to time that I'm sort of looking at almost daily. So I'll give you the example that I'm mm. talking about. You know that I have two little grandchildren who are mm. now, you know, six months and three years. You know, they are, they are sort of my, 
time integration challenge because I can mm. see on a month-to-month basis how time is flying by and how they're growing mm. up. And from the diaper little snuggle bug, we are now looking at mm. a very independent potty trained three-year-old with her own opinions. <laughs> and I'm going, where the heck did time go? And oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Do you know, I think that that's another aspect of being integrated with time. And, you know, I think about my, my grandma who's passed on many years now and lovely, lovely, loving human being, you know, but there was a lot of past regret and future fear. And I, I think, again, this is why we get pulled by, you know, everybody from Eckhart Tolle to Ram Das back in the 80s, basically saying, be here now, you know, be present now. I had a dream last night about Noah as a five-year-old, and it really brought me back into this, oh, my God, and he was in his bunk bed, and how sweet that was. And, you know, he's talk about having his own opinions. He's 21, you know, and I get a one-armed hug. So it's such a difference. <laughs> But there's a, there's a way of, I think, being integrated and having a, a thread to the past, which was that sweetness and that love and that is part of our relationship now. It's not that I have no relationship to him as a five-year-old, a six-year-old, a 10-year-old. They're all part of this. They're all part of my heart. And I have this, you know, he's 21. He's thinking about where he's going in the world. And I have this loosely held hope for Mm -hmm. his resonant life without any rigidity in terms of the plans for what he needs to do. So there's a Mm -hmm. real interesting paradox. And yet then I'm with him at age 21 or you're with Kennedy at age three, you know, and you just want to be with them, with who they are Mm -hmm. and how they're showing up right now. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's so uh, I think yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm good. So when I think about well, well, it's I'm thinking thinking about the healthy relationship to the present. It's living in the now for me. This feels like I'm living in the now without ignoring the past or the future, and holding this paradox of time lightly, knowing you know really all I have is right now, and yet I have memories and hopes kind of float around me, and that's part of the human condition. And I'm best off when I am an observer of those thoughts Mm -hmm. without getting too attached. (laughs) And I don't want to cling to the past and, oh, he was so sweet when he was five and how come he's not like that anymore? Or Mm -hmm. waiting for, well, it'll all be okay and I'll feel good when he has a really good job. You know, no. What I've got is right now. And what right now is really wonderful if I can enjoy it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, this is really, this is also, you know, my my perspective. Um, and in fact, I think that um, the more present and the more I can be in this place of connection and joy right here in this moment, the less I'm actually thinking about the future. Yeah. Yeah. That sort of, it fades away. I mean, it's still there as a, um, you know, as a dream, as a sort of, as you said, very loosely held picture. But when I can be here, it doesn't feel quite as important. Yeah, and there's this, it's, it's really interesting, sort of like how loosely can we hold it? And I was thinking about this idea that, 
you know, it was really pondering, okay, can you just be in the present, just present, present, present. And I was thinking, well, it's, it's a, even, so imagine you're, you know, sort of the joke I have, okay, we're all going to be, you know, in the ashram, in the present, just present, 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 right now, right now, right now. Well, somebody needed to order rice to make sure there was enough, like somebody had to think about how many people were coming and where they were going to sleep. Somebody had to cook rice, you know, so it's, it's, you may, you know, even in the structured places where we can really have that wonderful experience of just, you know, letting our thoughts pass like, you know, clouds in the sky and wonderful, you know, being in silence, et cetera, and not planning. It is only possible if someone has some, minor thought for the future because the rice just doesn't show up on the truck for 150 people. Somebody has mm-hmm. to call and say, we got 150 people coming. Bring us some rice and broccoli, right? Well, and, and somebody has to watch that the rice doesn't cook on forever because otherwise right. you really have a problem right. on your head. So <laughs> it's, you know, it's an illusion that there would be any maybe structure where you could ever even be entirely in the present, even if you're, you know, and maybe in the hunter gatherer days, we were better at it, but certainly living in the, in the way that we live now, I, I think it's sort of in the Western world and much of the world, we need to have some kind of relationship to that's healthy to past, present, future, some kind of ability to plan, some kind of ability to honor our journey. And, you know, You're gonna maybe yeah. the, the great, uh, you know, the great spiritual teachers that um, really um, are pointing to, you know, being in the present, that is where, you know, your heart is at peace, where, you know, I think really, I think what they're really pointing to is what we're actually talking about, and that is integration, having a healthy relationship to the past as well as the future so that you can be fully present in the now. I don't think, I mean, it's certainly what I notice about myself and my clients, if we don't have a healthy relationship to past or future, it's awfully hard to be present in the now because you're either worrying or, you know, or something. Or avoiding or suppressing or avoiding or, or hoping for the best yeah. or, you know, floundering and panicking. So it is, that is yeah. really being present. That is integration. Well, and I think this kind of leads to something that's really well said. And so something that um, Ursula and I have been really interested in, this uh, researcher named Lisa Feldman Barrett, and she's working on something, um, I think her book is called The Theory of Constructed Emotions. And if you look up Lisa Feldman Barrett and Theory of Constructed Emotions, you can find a number of different interviews and articles, and, and she has a book. Um, and one of the things that she's saying that really blew me away, and it makes so much sense and really fits into this whole time thing, which is that, so I was always taught, even in neuroscience school and certainly throughout my life in leadership programs, et cetera, et cetera, the brain is reactive. We are reacting to stimuli. Something happens, somebody pisses you off, we have a reaction, right? We even say that. We are having a reaction. Yep. I'm having a reaction, I'm having triggered, I'm having an amygdala hijack based on what happened. Well, the research seems to point to that that's not really actually what's happening is that our brain is constantly predicting 
So we get this sensory stimulus, and it's really about what the brain thinks is going to happen, not what happened. So we are Uh. prediction machines, and that's one of the reasons why our triggers can be so quick and so strong and mm-hmm. so out of, like, out of proportion to what just happened because we're not actually responding to what happened. We're predicting what this means and what's going to happen. Well, and, and what's going to happen is going to be terrible. <laughs> well, and, and this, makes, this makes complete sense. Um, one of the examples that, uh, you know, is coming to mind right in this moment is that uh, when you know when the phone rings and I pick up the phone and I know it's my mother, my brain my brain immediately predicts what the conversation is going to be like, and even before she says a word, I am already you know frustrated. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because I know I already it, know it's, it's potentially go- yeah it's going to be potentially be a conversation about you know some complaint or some terrible things that has now happened. Um, Without even, without even having the first sentence come through the phone line. Right, and I think we as humans do not have, like we are not aware to what degree we are constantly predicting. And we're predicting based on what we expect. And what we expect, we think, is based on past experience as well as your sort of fundamental level of effectiveness or level of consciousness. And, Mm -hmm. and you, and it's possible to shift. And I think this is again, why we get pointed again by the great spiritual leaders to be in the present because in the present, and I love what Eckhart Tolle says, there's nothing wrong in the present because that Mm -hmm. thing that you think for sure is going to happen and the, it hasn't, hasn't happened. And I think about Mark Twain who said, my life has been filled with terrible tragedies, most of which never happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we spend hours strategizing about what we're going to do. And then we get on the phone with someone and then they say, oh, you know, we'll do it your way. (laughs) It's like, wait, (laughs) what? I just wasted all of that time because, and, and got ourselves worked up based on our prediction, which may or may not even have anything to do with that particular person, might be other people in the past, might be other men, women, people who wear brown pants, whatever. Our brain is looking for patterns. I know. And, and, you know, going back to the example of my mom, as you well know, because, uh, you know, we've been working on my relationship, uh, you know, and how to... Um, not be reactive, or I should say, how not or change my change my brain's predictions about it. You know, for, yeah. for years. And what is interesting is that when I actually did expect something else, and there was also evidence that it was happening, my whole reaction, or my yeah, my whole reaction to the phone call has changed, and therefore the phone call has changed. Yeah. Interesting. And I think this goes to where we, you know, in, in coaching and many forms of human development, we work with things like limiting beliefs, or you might call mm-hmm. it a saboteur. And I think about, you know, the other thing you and I have worked on with me is money for years. And I think about shifting a fundamental belief around, I'm sort of stupid around money, I can't manage my money, money doesn't work for me, and working many years to shift that. 
um, where that I'm masterful with money and which has been a shift. It took many, many years to, to shift that belief, but it really has. And so it used to be I'd see a bill in the mail and I'd have an amygdala hijack because mm-hmm. my prediction was somehow this is a problem, this is bad, I'm bad, I don't know, it got, it was fraught. It sort of got into a whole bunch of, of what um, one of our, one of the people that we've been reading lately, a guy named, brilliant man named George Lakoff, calls entailments. So all of these assumptions and stories that go with it. And now I get a bill in the mail, and I made myself do this. This was part of my process. I made myself stop and reframe. And I made myself think, oh, I'm so grateful. Like, like, oh, paying bills, isn't it wonderful? I have money to pay my bills. Isn't it wonderful? I can be responsible. And I made myself think that mm-hmm. when it wasn't natural, even while I'm sort of mm-hmm. having this, you know, predictive upset response. No, no, look, no, it's, let me take a different perspective. And it really is to the point where it's so weird. I get a bill in the mail and I think, oh, how, how wonderful. I get to have a chance to be responsible and pay my bill. And it is absolutely automatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and when a, something happens, that's a great, yeah, go great ahead. example. Yeah, it's a great example of how you have changed the prediction of what happens when the bill arrives. Right, because my new prediction is no matter what, I can be responsible. I can cover things. I've, you know, no matter what, I can, um, I'm in control of money or something like that. That's a different belief. It's a different prediction. And whatever we're predicting is then how we will construct our emotions and which we then know makes us more effective. So let me draw this out. So if I'm predicting that I'm, screwed up about money and it's going to be a problem and, you know, I'm going to fail, then I have an anxiety response which will kick a certain number of chemicals going through my body which will make my higher brain go offline and make it harder to think. When Mm -hmm. I have this prediction that no matter what I can manage it, my higher brain stays totally online and thinks of all sorts of creative ways to manage things and there's no anxiety, there's no stress, usually, or minimal, you know, sometimes I still get it if it's a very unexpected thing, but it's sort of like, oh, no, I've got this. And then that becomes true. So this is part of how our beliefs become reality. And do I need to break that down a little more, Ursula? Is this making sense? No, this is very clear. No, no, keep going. You're on a wonderful roll. I'm, I'm on a roll. I'm by, on a roll. I'm, 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 on a, I'm, roll. I'm fascinated by our own radio show. <laughs> Well, I just think it's this, you know, to the degree that we are, that we predict from a place of fear, frustration, or hopelessness, you know, level, level one, hopelessness, level two, fear, level three, frustration, to the degree that that is in, and it can be very contextual. We can be very above the line in the higher levels, you know, with our family and with work, and maybe we're in frustration about politics or frustration about money, and we're going to predict from there. Well, we're going to c- construct our emotions based on that, which are going to limit our creativity, limit our effectiveness. I mean, when we look at all of this, it just it's so clear I think to you and me at this point Ursula that 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 there's no 
mystery to why one level is ineffective and another level is more effective. And part of it is, well, what are we predicting? Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, uh, absolutely. And I, it's, uh, you know, we started with don't wish your life away, which is based on my <laughs> travels. But the, the opposite is also true. You know, I, I very rarely have any mishaps in regards to delayed flights or uh, bad seats or lost luggage or long lines or something. And it is because I'm predicting that it will be smooth. I am predicting that it will be easy. And therefore, the emotion that I feel is complete calmness. There is no mm. panic. My brain is working. That's why it's clicking. That's why I'm not losing my you know, iPad or forget my whatever. And I've seen people forget jackets and even things to shoes as they're going through the security line. But it is because the prefrontal cortex is not sharp. It's not functioning because of the stress. And it is the prediction that it will be stressful. And so I I see this with complete clarity. Right. Oh, I love that. That's fascinating. Let's talk a little bit, well, we still have a little bit of time here, about the right and left hemisphere, because one of the things we're seeing in all of our work is that we don't just, you know, nothing, nothing exists on its own. So it's the, you know, the brain is an um, amazing three-dimensional system, um, jigsaw more than a jigsaw puzzle that doesn't do it justice so there's a place where the way that the right hemisphere and the way the left hemisphere see the world has an absolute impact on how we live with time with past present and future so what we know about the right and left hemisphere is that when we are in an above the line state the left hemisphere gives us structure and the right hemisphere gives us freedom. Below the line, if you, if you look at each of those as a continuum, if you go below the line, what you get in the left hemisphere, if you take structure too far, you get rigidity. If you take freedom too far, you get chaos. And you can see how people can live with time from rigidity, chaos, or an increased integration of structure and freedom because above the line what allows for the structure and structure not becoming rigidity is a healthy dose of freedom and what allows for the freedom not becoming chaos is a healthy dose of structure mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that uh, you know how it relates to time what I what I can see is uh, when people uh, keeping appointments and deadlines for example there is there can be such a an, an a rigid it has to be you know december 1st at midnight and if you miss that deadline you're basically screwed and then there's no flexibility mm-hmm. and it's either that and it's nothing else and then there is this then then i have also encountered people where it's like oh, yes, I know our appointment was at noon, and they show up at 20 past noon and don't think there's anything wrong with it. Right, and there's no apology, and there's no... No, it's just like, or, oh, you know, I'm going with the flow, and I am just about ready to kill them. <laughs> right, 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 and I can even see that with myself. I mean, in, 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 this, is, this is part of where 
the other thing about past, present, future is it has an impact on the people around us. And mm. so, you know, kind of a view, there's, there's some people who lean a little more to the view, let me just be in the present and I'll just, you know, deal with life as it comes. Well, um, part of the challenge with that is that unless you're just everybody in a community who's working that way, that might really work. But if you're someone who has, like for me, if I want to see my friends, I travel so much doing work that I love that if I don't have something on the calendar, it's never going to happen. I can't just get up that day and decide, usually wouldn't it be fun? So I need, mm. a, little, a, I need a little structure. I need a little planning but at the same time, I don't want to be so rigged, you know, you're going to lose me as a friend if you don't, if you can't make it that day or you need to cancel or something like that. So I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so there's boundaries, there are human level boundaries that are really helpful, deadlines, appointments. And yet when we have fluidity with it, that's when I think we have some integration. And it's a like anything that we're trying to balance, it's not a stable state where it's just balanced, you know, 50% fluidity, 50%, there goes the dog, 50% fluidity, 50% structure. That's, it's, it flows, you know, and it's context dependent. But I think that there's a way that um, that really plays a role. The other thing that we were seeing as we we're talking about this is that um, people who are, are terrified of chaos may tend to lead a li- lean a little more toward wanting rigidity mm-hmm. um, in terms of time. They want those they want those tight structures. They want to know right now, mm-hmm. you know, no flexibility because they're actually worried that if they don't, everything will become chaotic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I can see myself in that a little bit. I mean, if if I mean, absolutely, totally. I mean, I. I I am by and large flexible, but if there is too much, I actually start pinning people down and going, no, we need to know when it's this week. And I apologize. I have no idea why he <laughs> is barking so hard, but uh, I am walking away from him, but he's a big dog with a loud voice. <laughs> so yes, no we worries. Have to, we have no to worries. include him. Um, so you know, I, I then go to know, I need to know, you know, by, by the end of today, because I am really worried that it's, it's going to be so, so chaotic that I feel I lose control. Right. I love that. And then I think that, you know, on the other side, people who can tend to go to a little bit of chaos, it's because they're afraid of rigidity. They're afraid that, you know, they won't, you know, if I make an appointment for something, maybe I won't want to, when that happens and, and so mm-hmm. don't pin me down or don't make me commit or I don't know what I'm going to feel like. And so they're floating in the wind because the fear, the fear is don't make, you know, don't, don't trap me. And I think one of the things that's been really helpful, I think for both me and Ursula is to understand that structure does not mean rigidity. Structure is just structure. No, no. Structure can change. Yeah. Rigidity can't. And, and chaos and freedom does not mean chaos. Freedom is just freedom. It doesn't mean everything's completely out of control. And, and I think integration this is why of I, time. Yeah, go ahead. 
this is why I, I love that we, we have always said, you know, the more integrated we become, the more effective we become. It is not about being one or the other. It is having a life that works and that is effective. And I think as it relates to time, I often see this in my clients that that is when ineffectiveness can really creep in in, in a major way by missing deadlines, credit card payments. Um, that can be a huge challenge when there is some form of disintegration. Yeah, and there's either no planning at all, and this is one of the things that I've seen and one of the things that I'm really interested in to the degree that that I can have an impact on it is creating as much of a drama-free life as possible. And I see that the drama for me used to come from not planning, you know, not planning Mm. around my money. Mm. And I would be Mm. caught short and then there's drama and then there's upset and then there's anxiety. But when I bring in a little structure that still has freedom, I can reduce the drama and then I can use my energy to focus on things that are more interesting, that are more life affirming, that are more resonant for me. Mm -hmm. So I think this is, as you say, why it is effective. Um, And the same is true for, for rigidity because rigid things break and shatter. And, and one of the Mm -hmm. things that rigidity does is it breaks and shatters relationships. So, Mm -hmm. you know, being in this more integrated state, being able to relate to our past, have a, an acquaintance with our future to whatever degree you need to plan so that you can keep your energy more focused in the present. For us, that really feels like it helps with this whole idea of higher levels of effectiveness, higher levels of consciousness. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's more to there's more to discover here, but that's sort of our our early thoughts about all of this. Um, yes, and I I think that the more we play with this, the more um, we will we will unpack, and the more will will become. So I think that in future in a future radio show, we're probably going to revisit this and uh, find new layers. There's always always new layers. That's what's so fun about this. And that's, you know, for me, that's my healthy relationship with the future around our work is I know there is a future. I don't always know what it is. And I want to follow what's resonant in the moment. But I know there's this interesting direction we're headed and this container of structure, which is that you can count on us to keep pushing the edges of consciousness. That's the structure that we have. And within that, there's all this freedom to keep asking questions and being curious about things like time and money and relationships. So we have some cool stuff coming up. We've got our wonderful human relationships program in Ottawa, Canada in April 6 and 7. Is that when it is, Ursula? Yes. April 6th and 7th, yeah, in Ottawa. Yes, it's on our website. We have a location now as well that I'm very excited about. We have that coming up. We have, we're starting, if you are a coach and really want to look at how you bring higher levels of effectiveness, higher levels of awareness, of consciousness to your clients using wonderful tools and with an understanding of neuroscience, we are going to be in Los Angeles starting in February, February 1st. It's all on our website. And then we're going to be in the East Coast as well starting in May. We are yeah, going also to be in the Connecticut going to be, area. We'll be in China. 
um, in the middle of March and will most likely be back in Europe in the fall. So you can certainly contact Ursula at beaboveleadership.com if you have any questions about that. If you are not a coach and you are really curious about this kind of tools and the seven levels of effectiveness and how you help people in whatever profession you're in or even getting into the human development profession. We have our human seven levels human development program today in person in Santa Fe, May 19 and 20th. And this you can find on our website under seven levels programs. And I think that's the all we've other- got going on right now. Oh, well, there's just one uh, one other little thing. If you can't join us in person, we have a um, a very nice webinar, a recorded webinar and handbook that you will also find under the seven levels uh, tab. Um, it's a webinar that uh, was very very fun, uh, talking about the seven levels and the brain in uh, developing human uh, human beings, uh, and that's on our website as well. And you can uh, purchase this, download it, read read the handbook, and get a taste of what our work is all about. Wonderful. Well, it has been really fun, Ursula, talking about time today. I think our next blog talk, we are dipping our toes into the whole diversity and privilege conversation with a panel, with a diverse yes, and interesting guests. panel. Yes. So, yep, we will have uh, guests, which will, be very, which will be very, very fun. Well, uh, talking about time, <laughs> we'll time say goodbye for us to go. Let everybody go. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, you thanks, have other Anne, things to do. Very fun. Thanks. Yes, thanks, I do. Ursula. I have another call in 15 minutes. Um, and so in order to be fully present, um, I need to say goodbye. And, um, yeah, thanks very much for listening. We so appreciate it. Thanks, and That was Super, super fun. And thank Thanks. you for your ever and ongoing um, uh, ability and passion to keep digging into the research. I don't know <laughs> what we would do without it. <laughs> oh, thank you. All okay. right. Bye, everybody. You're welcome. Thanks, darling. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.